Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of the Your Sustainable Friend podcast. My name is Faye, your host, and today we continue our series titled Sustainability Changemakers, Black Voices in Green. This series aims to highlight accomplished black professionals who are contributing to the sustainability space. Today I'm chatting with Ola Alu who works in biodiversity. I met Ola Alu through a friend who worked with him and he said he'd be a great person to chat with. So I will hand it over to Olaolu to introduce himself and tell us a bit about what he does. Okay. Hi. Yeah. Thanks for having me here. Yeah. So um, my name is Olaolu and I currently work as an associate program officer with an organization called the United Nations Environment Program World Conservation Monitoring Center. So it's a, it's a global center for biodiversity. That's what we like to call ourselves. And we do all things biodiversity. So look at it as a collaboration between UK-based charity called World Conservation Monitoring Center and the United Nations Environment Program. And yeah, so uh, basically our work revolves around conserving biodiversity and helping uh, countries and organizations make integrate biodiversity into their decision making. How long have you been doing this work? Well, I've been with this organization for just about 13 months now. Uh, yeah, before then I was in still in the sustainability sector, but with other organizations. Okay, what were you doing before in sustainability space? Did you get did you go to school for sustainability? Is this kind of where you started, or did you find yourself here and take a journey? Yeah, I I actually started in school. My academic background is geared towards sustainability. I had my bachelor's degree in geography and environmental okay. management. Yeah, I used to love geography so much. It was like, okay. Something from primary school. So yeah, and I continued along that line, went on to do environmental sciences for my master's degree. And then after my master's degree, a few years after I joined this organization. Okay, nice. Um, so geography was your favorite subject. What did you like about it? What fascinated you about geography? Everything really. I was, um, right from when I've been really young, I've just had this love for nature that was really unexplainable at the time. I remember being about five, six years old, I used to like just sit outside at night and just stare at the stars for minutes and just be looking at it. I was just so amazed by everything nature. And I remember having my first geographic class and I was just blown away by the subject. Like I was like, this is what I've been looking for all my life. And I knew this is, I knew I just had to do this for the rest of my life. So um, after then I started to go deeper into the subject and then as you know, geography is really broad. There are so many aspects to it, from the human geography side, physical geography side. So it was a it was a struggle for me deciding like where I want to really specialize. But eventually, I did, and it's still a struggle today knowing where to specialize because it's still really broad my field. Yeah, but that's how I discovered my love for geography. How did you decide to go to the biodiversity side of things, or? What pushed you? Was it just coincidence? Yeah, okay. So it's uh, it's a bit of a long story, but I'll just cut it short. So my master's degree was in environmental sciences, like I said. So my thesis was focused on greenhouse gas accounting for organizations, so corporate okay. greenhouse gas accounting. So it was while working on that thesis that I actually got to know about this new and less mature and evolving field of biodiversity, how companies can account for their impact on biodiversity. It was really new for me. Before then, I knew about conservation, but just in the conventional way we know it's like conserving nature, 
but there wasn't that link to like corporates. So yeah, I, I was just amazed at the field and it was being a nascent field. I felt like I like to be like in the new things, like things that are not well known yet. So I like to be one of those pacemakers. So I just decided to go into it. And yeah, that was how I found out about the BCMC and I applied to join. Nice. Um, definitely the newer and the less, I guess, focused side of sustainability and in the environmental side even. Because I remember when we first spoke, I mentioned it. I was like, biodiversity, like that's not very common. And you were like, yeah, I really like it here. And even like from looking at like COP and stuff, how there's actually like a COP for biodiversity. And I know a lot of people don't know about that. So it's definitely like uh, not necessarily new, but a uh, less focused side of sustainability for sure. Um, is there anything that kind of comes out of that because it's not as focused on? Is there anything that you feel like the sustainability world maybe doesn't look at more or like any, yeah, anything that you feel like because you work in biodiversity, maybe not get those same opportunities or anything like that? Yeah, I think because it's still, it's a less mature field and yeah, we are still just trying to figure things out as we go. It's, it's really, it's like, we're just, we're all learning. Like everyone is still learning. Like everyone from the biggest uh, corporate organizations to the biggest financial institutions, everyone is still learning. And like you, you mentioned, um, the world is beginning to see biodiversity to take it more importantly, um, nature and biodiversity generally. And it's rising up the agenda now. Uh, the last COP, which you talked about, was the one where governments came together and set global goals for biodiversity. That was really a huge thing. So it's like the equivalent of the Paris Agreements, but now for nature. Alalu and I are discussing COP. COP stands for Conference of the Parties, and it's a formal meeting organized by the UNFCCC. So that's the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change. Every year, there is a COP meeting dedicated to climate change and another dedicated to biodiversity. In 2015, during COP21 in Paris, 196 nations came together and they signed the Paris Agreement. So the Paris Agreement unites countries in the fight against climate change and aims to limit the rise in global temperatures. In 2022, during the 15th United Nations Biodiversity COP, so COP15, the Kunming Montreal agreement was signed and this focuses on biodiversity and aims to preserve ecosystems, protect endangered species and conserve genetic diversity. For more details about COP and the agreement, check the show notes. Was there anything else other than that, which was quite a big deal, was there anything else that they said that you really liked? Was it, do you think it was super lofty or do you think it was like a decent goal? Do you think they, do you wish that they did more or is there any like commentary that you have on what was said? Yeah, I think it's, it's both. It's, I feel like it's rising up the agenda, so that's a good thing. More and more organizations are being aware of it and are showing interest in it. That's good. But also everyone in this field, every professional in the field would tell you that the pace at which it's moving is real is still too slow. There's a lot of work to be done and it's really it looks like say we're dragging our feet. But I, I think the goals are really in the right direction. We can have had a chance to go through them. Um Pretty ambitious, pretty good. Uh, one that really stands out is that um, so we we aim to conserve 30% of the whole world by 2030. Yeah, so goals like that are really good. But like I said, the pace at which we're moving is really is slower than we should. 
if we were to meet those goals. So that was the Cunning Montreal Global Biodiversity Framework, right? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I remember reading about it. And I, to be honest, I hadn't even heard of COP biodiversity. So I was like, because I was reading, because I try and keep up with sustainability news, and I saw that there was like a COP, and I was like, I'm pretty sure that already happened. And then I like kept reading, and I was like, oh, wow, this is a biodiversity conference. And I read like more about it. So yeah, it's definitely something that I would even say as a field, I'm not as versed in. Um, and that's just because it's not my day-to-day as well. Um, so yeah, that was I was super impressed when I was like, oh, someone that works in that biodiversity. Yeah, exactly. And you just said that was the first one you heard about. And that's actually the 15th. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> <Think> about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I work in sustainability. So, And then how do you keep up with sustainability news and sustainability information? I'm really more focused. It's, it's a really broad space, like so large. There's a lot of things going on, but I like to focus on where I'm working at. So like I stay up to date by reading reports and um, latest news from my own space. That's the okay. diversity and nature related issues. Yeah, but I think uh, just like, just having an eye out for stuff, it's, it's really easy to be up to date with uh, sustainability information and news going on. So I'm not in the best position to say how to stay up to date but yeah but i mean that's how you stay up to date everybody's different right it doesn't have there's not one right answer to staying up to date i skim reports i try now use chat gbt to give to so to summarize them so there's no right way to do it you can do it anyway um and kudos to you for reading reports because i don't know if i can be fully read all of them i try to but they're not all super exciting. Okay, to to you, some of them are actually more, are easier to read than some. I've seen some yeah, more that's that's terrible to read. Yeah, but yeah, you just have to. Um, is there any like icon or anyone that you look up to in the sustainability space who you really enjoy reading their stuff or you just think they're doing really good things and probably you're probably got someone in the biodiversity space as well that you think is doing an amazing job? Yeah, people, but... Most of them are not really well-known people. I've met lots of people in my career so far and just normal, ordinary people. I would say like my managers in previous positions, uh, even in my the organization I work with now, lots of inspiring people that truly care about this thing. They're, they're in it because they care about nature and care about biodiversity. So it's just so inspiring to go to work every day and to meets with this kind of people. And then the organization I work for again, WCMC, is such a prestigious organization and has been around for years, I think uh, over 30 years. Just walking into that building every day and knowing that for 30 years, people have like been walking that hallway, working for conservation, working for nature. It's almost like, you know, you have the the spirits of the greats Contemplation is on you, <laughs> over you when you come into that building. So it's really yeah. great for me. That keeps me inspired. Oh, I love that. Are there any, I guess, so you're very big on conservation and you said that that was kind of what you first knew about biodiversity. Are there any animals that you really, really care about or that you're like are on the endangered list that you're hoping things change? Or is there anything you do in your personal life to help make that better for biodiversity? I love 
all the animals. <laughs> Every animal. <laughs> There's not a favorite one. No, we aren't. Okay. I can say a favorite one. Well, I would just like to highlight one that I've been reading about recently. So it's being a Nigerian, it's it's a, it's a species that is endemic to Nigeria. It's called okay. the Cross River Gorilla. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's actually the world most the world's most endangered gorilla species currently. I think okay. we have less than three hundred individuals left. But it's it's really sad when you re- look at the history of the gorilla, how it declined rapidly over the years due to a number of factors, deforestation, habitat loss, but also conflict in the region because it's in the Cameroon mountains at the border between Nigeria and Cameroon. That's where they are. And they're endemic. They're not found anywhere else in the world. Yeah, but there's good news. Um, in recent years, conservation efforts have stepped up and I think their their population is beginning to stabilize, maybe even increase now. I'm not sure, but yeah, I really love the species. I love to read about them and watch the videos of them. They're so cute. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And I'm glad that there's been conservation efforts to kind of keep them in place, which is wonderful. So what I would you say are some of the other factors? So you said the conflict in the region. What does that look like? Or what's the conflict in the region that has affected them? Yeah, there's conflict in Cameroon, not in Nigeria. So um, a lot of political stuff that I don't know much about, but Cameroon has been in conflict for a few years now. But I think that's really typical. Like a lot of places in the world, lots of war-torn areas. A good example is DRC as well. Whenever there's a conflict, biodiversity always suffers. Nature always suffers. Yeah, and I feel like that's one of the less highlighted effects of conflict. Yeah, so it's it's really sad, but... Yeah, makes sense. But I wouldn't have especially thought about it with war and how biodiversity is affected because it's not as highlighted. That's not where your mind goes to first. Are there any books you're reading or any literature that you're reading that you just enjoy, sustainability-related or biodiversity-related, or like a favorite book you read in the past? No, no, just reports. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, no, but but for real, just reports. Like, (laughs) I just read reports and, and that's it. I've not read a book on sustainability in, in years. <laughs> I think since I left school. So once you left school, you said, never mind, that's not happening anymore. <laughs> what about a favorite documentary you may have watched? Ah, uh, yeah, there's so many good documentaries out there. But I've not watched anyone recently. Uh trying to think which which one. Ah, uh, one comes to mind, but I don't remember the the title. I used what to in the documentary, I guess. Uh it's uh it's about the African bush, something about the big five. I'll have to look into it and see. I did look into it. The documentary that Olaolu is talking about is called Wildlife Icons. What do you have as advice for anybody who is looking to move into sustainability or work in sustainability or work in biodiversity? Yeah, what would you tell them or what advice would you give them? Looking at my own experience and the way I got into sustainability, I think it's First of all, it's about building that network of people that inspire you, people you can look up to. And I think these days it's really easy to do that now. You can just go on LinkedIn and just check for like global authorities or influencers or biodiversity, people that, you know, are really informed and are writing about topics they're interested in and just follow. So I think the good first step is just being surrounded by people. That inspire you, people that are doing what you already want to do, and you don't have to know them physically or in real life. You can just follow yeah. them online. 
Yeah, and then for me, the way I did it, the way I really got into it was by doing internships. I think internships are a fantastic way to start. And same advice I give to anyone who tells me they want to get into conservation or sustainability. There are lots of internships available out there, many of which are not paid. Yes, depending on which roads you want to take. Like for me, I took the UN, United Nations roads, and we all know the issues with the unpaid internships in the UN. But anyway, it was a sacrifice I was willing to take because I knew it's a good way to get in. And to do what you wanted to do. Yeah. And it's worked for me. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah but anyway, I think a good way is just by looking for internships and trying to get in from there. Okay. That's a good one. Anything sustainability or biodiversity-wise that you wish you knew before you got into school or before you started studying or that you would have wanted to tell Olaudi that was staring at the stars in his youth? Well, something I wish the whole world had known earlier, <laughs> just the fact that organizations, companies, and financial institutions can actually play a big role in mitigating climate change and nature loss. I wish... The world had come to that realization earlier, early enough. The focus for a long time was on um, energy sector and how we can just switch switch up from fossil fuels and move to renewable sources, which is really important. But I think now that there's more awareness on the fact that every company, no matter how small, has an impact. It might not be direct impact. It might be through your supply chains. I wish we had come to that realization earlier and had taken action more um, earlier as, as, as a people, as a planet. I think that would have saved us. But yeah, all hope is not lost. We are still yeah. on track, I think, now. You said all hope is not lost. What are you hopeful for or what would like, what would you want the world to look like in 2030? In 2030, I just wish that all of the global goals will be realized by 2030. The Paris Agreement, limiting climate change to 1.5 degrees. I wish it to be realized. And then the nature positive, that's the goal, the climate equivalent for nature. That's making sure the world attains a nature positive status by 2030. And what that means is that making sure that our impact, our positive impact on nature is greater than the negative impact on nature. So... At the moment, the curve is, is actually going down. So biodiversity losses, biodiversity is reducing. So now we need to raise it back up. First of all, get to the point where it's balanced before it started to go down. Then yeah. go above that point and it becomes nature positive. So I wish that we could achieve that by 2030. That would be so yeah. nice for everyone. I think that'd be very beautiful. <laughs> well, thank you, Alalu. It was great chatting with you. Um, and hearing what you have to say about biodiversity and working in sustainability. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me here. It's been a wonderful conversation.